Please be seated. Please keep your Bibles turned to Luke chapter 11. We'll be camped out there for uh, most of this lesson. We are continuing a series from the book of Mark, a series that I call Following Jesus Immediately. And as I was preparing this lesson today, I was thinking about, you know, mankind likes make predictions. Some of those predictions come true. Most don't. And a few of those predictions come horribly wrong. For example, let me share with you some real predictions that really miss the mark. In 1893, Judas Henry Brown predicted that in a hundred years, law will be simplified, attorneys will be diminished, and their fees will be vastly curtailed. I think he missed the mark there. In 1895, Albert Einstein's teacher told Albert's father, it doesn't matter what he does in life, he'll never amount to anything. I think he was wrong. John von Neumann in 1949 said, It would appear that we have reached the limits of what is possible to achieve with computer technology. And then our own Secretary of State in 1954, John Foster Dulles, said this, The Japanese don't make anything that people in the U.S. would want. I guess he hasn't heard of Toyota, Honda, or Sony. And then finally, Bob Metcalf in 1995 said, I predict that the internet will go supernova, and in 1996, the internet will collapse and go away. Those predictions, all wrong. Even though they came from experts, who all made those predictions with near absolute certainty. They were wrong. Today, we are focusing on a group. Now, every Sunday, we come together to worship God. That's the purpose of being here. We come together to remember the great gift of Jesus on the cross. But today, we're also we're taking time to be thankful for our graduates and what our graduates have attained for their achievements and their accomplishments. And graduates, don't worry, I'm not going to make predictions for your life. Because guess what? I would be wrong, probably. Because I don't know the future. And you don't know the future either. And to some people, not knowing the future is scary especially in the day that we live in 2021. Because these days are certainly uncertain days. It's unsettling because we realize that for Christians, we're coming under increasing attacks from the media, even from our own government. We face financial insecurity for our nation and even for some of us, 
We've got Russia and China on the rise. We have uh, a terrorist who are determined to take away our way of life. These are uncertain times that we live in. In my 64 years of life, the only thing comparable would perhaps be uh, the 1960s were kind of tough also. So what do we do? What do we do in uncertain times? Let me give you some strong advice. In uncertain times, obey, follow, and trust. Graduates, I'm going to challenge you to obey, to follow, and trust. Here in Mark chapter 11, the disciples face fear. They face the threat of death. And they are afraid. Go back for just a moment, back to verse 32 of chapter 10. Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was going before them and they were amazed. Why were they amazed? Because as they were following, they were what? Afraid. They were afraid. Let's look at chapter 11 now, verse 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany, so we're about roughly two miles from the temple. They're at the Mount of Olives. He sent two of His disciples. He sends two of His disciples. And He said to them, I want you to go into the village opposite you. Lord, um, remember, they want to kill you. And, And if they want to kill you, how about us? Remember where the disciples were? After the cross, they were hiding. They were behind a locked door because they were afraid. You want us to go over there and do what? I want you to go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you enter it, notice how exact these instructions are. He's taking care of His disciples. I want you to enter it, and you'll find a coat on which no one has sat. It's unbroken. It's not tame. You loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you... Now, he even anticipates an objection. He anticipates resistance. He says, if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Here's what you say. The Lord has need of it. And immediately, here's that word we keep on seeing in Mark, and immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and they found the coat tied by the door outside on the street. Wow. Jesus told them exactly what to find and they find it. And they loose it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what, uh, What are you doing loosening that coat? And they spake to them just as Jesus had commanded. They say back what Jesus had said to tell them. So they let them go. Then they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their clothes on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna! 
Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem. He goes into the temple. He looked around at all the things. And as the eyes already went out to Bethany with the twelve. What's happening here? Well, remember Jerusalem was the place where the leaders wanted to have Jesus dead. But from the vantage point of the disciples, that doesn't seem to concern Jesus one bit because he's going where he's not welcome. Furthermore, is Jesus worried? On the contrary, Jesus is in absolute control. He is Lord. He is what? Sovereign King. He's King. And notice, he tells his disciples exactly, word by word, what they'll find when they enter the next village. And on top of that, he tells them what somebody will say, and he tells them how to answer that objection. He is in control. Jesus is in absolute control of the situation here. Not to mention that he rides the colt of a donkey which no one has ever ridden. One time, Billy, one time only, I tried that. I I didn't try it again, okay? I landed on the ground quickly. Does this donkey object? No. Because Jesus is in control He's in complete control. Now, uh, help me here. I want you to read this. I'm going to give you a moment. I want you to read what's on the wall. The human mind is a wonderful, complex organ, you see. It doesn't matter in what order the letters in a word appear. The only important thing is that the first... And the last letters are in the right place. The rest, the middle, can be a total mess. And you can still read it without a problem. This is because the human mind does not read every letter by itself, but the word as a whole. Amazing, isn't it? Our lives are like that sometimes. Our lives are messy in the middle. They don't always make sense. But those are the times when we need to step back and remember that Jesus Christ is the one in control. He's the one there from the first to the last. In fact, in fact, He is the beginning. He is the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first. When things in the middle don't make sense. And graduates, in your life, you're about to enter the middle part of the life. You got through with the growing up. Now you go into the middle part. Even when things in the middle don't make sense, we can rest assuredly that one day it will all perfectly become clear. 
Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is in control. So the best thing to do in these uncertain times is to obey Jesus, just like His first disciples did. Just do what He says. Jesus, Jesus told them to go, and they went. Jesus told them to untie a coat, and they did. Jesus told them what to say when someone objected, and they answered, as Jesus had commanded. In a time of fear and uncertainty, and certainly these disciples were facing that here, Jesus' disciples were very careful to do exactly what He told them to do. And that's what we must do if we want to survive and thrive in these days of fear and uncertainty. Just like a small child that's in a crowded room, that small child holds on to the hand of the parent because even though that small child can't see ahead and can't see where they're going, that small child has confidence in the parent that the parent will take them where they need to be. We need to have confidence in our Lord. It's only, it's only the things we can do. It's the only thing we can do. When we can't see ahead, we just follow the Lord step by step. That means doing what we know He wants us to do, even if it doesn't always make sense to us. Jim George, in a book that he wrote, talked about a time in his life where he needed to raise some cash in a hurry. He had a boat and a trailer that he really didn't need, and he decided that was the quickest way for him to raise the money. Trouble was, it was the middle of winter. Uh, the demand for boats and trailers are not really high during the middle of winter. But luckily for Jim, he had a buyer. A buyer came and in fact, the buyer was even willing to pay what Jim was asking. But, <laughs> there's always a but, isn't there? But the buyer said, now I want you to put down half of what I'm paying on the bill of sale. Now what was he doing? He was trying to get out of paying sales tax on the full purchase. What was Jim to do? He knew he needed the money in the worst way. He knew that uh, the likelihood of finding another buyer in the middle of winter was very slim, but he knew what the Lord wanted him to do. And Jim said, I'm sorry, but I'm a Christian and I can't do that. I can put down the full amount, price you pay, but I can't make it any different. And he prepared to have the man walk away. The man decided to go ahead and buy the boat and trailer. Here is my point. We need to do what we know Jesus wants us to do, even in times when it seems maybe it's desperate. In uncertain times, in fear and uncertainty, we need to always obey our Lord. We need to follow Him. Jesus knows what's ahead. We don't. So it's best for us to obey His directions, not our own. So how should we live in these times? First, obey Christ as your sovereign King. 
And then next, second, follow him. Follow him as your servant example. You know, a Christian is to be what? Christ-like. Let's follow Jesus as our servant example. Imitate the Lord who humbled himself. Immolate the sovereign king who subjected himself to his own creation. About 500 years before the event that happened here in Jerusalem, Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 9 said this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. Circle that phrase, lowly and riding on a donkey. A colt, the foal of a donkey. If a king entered a city on a stallion, that was because that represented power, military might, strength. Jesus is not entering Jerusalem on a stallion. He's entering Jerusalem on a donkey? Because you see, a donkey was a symbol of peace. And Jesus is coming as a great symbol of peace. Let's read Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. We need to follow His example. That means what? It means giving up our priorities, our plans, our schedule, and serving the needs of people who need us. Go back to, uh, go back to Acts, or excuse me, Mark, Mark chapter 8, verse 34. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Mark chapter 9, verse 35. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Mark 10, 43. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. A friend of mine, who's a high school band director, I asked him, I said, what's the hardest instrument to play in a band? He said, the hardest instrument to play is whatever instrument but second chair. No one wants to be second chair. Everybody wants to be first chair. We want to be the prime. We want to be the spotlight. But as Christians, we're called to what? To follow His example. To do what He did. A story is told about a traveler that's traveling by foot. And he comes up upon a monastery. It's the middle of the night. It's rainy. It's stormy. He knocks on the door of this monastery, hoping to uh, just go in and get dried off a little bit, get warmed up before he would continue his journey. 
The priest of that monastery met him at the door and said, well, yes, come on in and get dry and get warm. And, and furthermore, we're sitting down for our supper. Would you please join us? The traveler said, well, yes, I'd be honored to join you. So he sat down with them and had a meal. And after the meal was over, the priest said, would you like to stay the night? You know, it's so stormy out there. Surely the storm will pass over the night and you can resume your journey tomorrow morning. The man said, okay, I'll stay, but under the following conditions. If I stay the night, I've got to have a private room, no one else with me. And in that private room, I want a pound of butter. I want a pair of rubber pants. I want a fireplace poker. I need a baseball bat, and I need a bass saxophone. Well, the man said, well, that uh, list is certainly odd, but I think we can probably come up with all of that, so please stay the night. So he stayed the night. The next morning, the storm had passed, and the man was about to leave, and the priest said, we were happy to let you stay the night, but we got to ask a question. We heard some horrible sounds coming from your room all night long. Why did you ask for that particular list of things for your room? The man said, well, uh, you see, this is a family, a family secret. And no one except my family knows. But if you promise, you promise never to tell another living soul, I will tell you. And the priest agreed. And since the priest was a man of his word, we shall never know. Here's my point. That's life. We don't always know the reason why, but Christ calls us to serve one another anyway, even when it doesn't make a lot of sense to you or to me. How are we live in times of uncertainty and fear? First, obey Christ as your sovereign Lord. Second, Follow Christ as your servant example. And finally, trust Christ as your Savior. Obey, follow, and trust. Depend on the Lord to deliver you from sin. Rely on Jesus to rescue you from ruin. Now, I told you, graduates, I'm not going to make any predictions. But I'll give you a fact. You will face temptation in your life. You will. I can guarantee it. You will face temptations. What will you do? Will you let sin get the best of you? You don't have to bow down to sin. You, you see, Jesus came to be our Savior from sin. You notice the people here are shouting a word, Hosanna. We find that in verse 9 and verse 10. Now, by the time of Jesus, that word had come to mean really just a very enthusiastic welcome. It's kind of like uh, our word, howdy. You know, we might say howdy to people. We don't realize that actually what we're saying is, how are you doing? That's how we get the word howdy. It comes from the phrase, how are you doing? Well, a lot of people in Jesus' day used the word Hosanna in the very same way. 
they would shout it to each other as they made their pilgrimage to, to Jerusalem without really thinking about the real deeper meaning of the word. The word goes back to the Old Testament. We find it in passages like uh, uh, Psalm chapter 118. And what it means is, save us now. Though most people perhaps didn't realize it, they were actually calling on Jesus to save them. Now, they would be thinking more of a military savior, someone to kick out the Roman army, but that's not why Jesus came. No, he came to save us from sin. You see, most of the pilgrims that were coming to Jerusalem at Passover, they were coming with a sacrifice, with a sacrificial lamb. They were coming with that lamb that they could offer for their sins for that year. But Jesus, Jesus, on the other hand, he was going to Jerusalem to be the sacrificial lamb. He came as a lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's what the cross is all about. Uh, Jesus came to die for our sins so we would not have to die. Jesus came to be punished in our place for our sins so we could be saved. You see, that's why Jesus came. To be punished instead of us for our sins. He came to be Savior for all of us. To all that will obey. All we need to do is trust and obey Him completely. Don't trust yourselves. Don't trust in your own effort at self-improvement. Instead, instead trust Jesus with your life, and He will give you eternal life. He will give you hope in these uncertain times, and you'll have the assurance of a good and glorious future. That is my gift to you, graduates. You can have a grand and glorious future as a faithful Christian. Several years ago, a national magazine assigned a photographer to take pictures of a massive forest fire going on in the state of California. They told him that a small plane would be waiting for him at an airport just outside the city, and it would fly him over the fire and he could take the pictures. The photographer arrived at the strip about an hour or so before sundown. And sure enough, he looked and there was a small Cessna plane sitting there with a man in it. And over to the plane, he hopped in, he said, let's go. And that plane took off going down the airstrip. And it got in the air and it was flying. It was flying somewhat erratically, but it was flying. The photographer said, now fly me over the north side of the fire and, and I'll start taking pictures. The pilot said, why? Well, I'm a, I'm a photographer and that's my job. I take pictures. To which the man replied, the pilot replied, you mean you're not the flight instructor? Here's my point. And I always have a point to my stories. You must be careful who you trust, especially when you're going through the fiery trials of this life. In 
that the only one you can trust with your life and your final destiny is Jesus, our Savior. What's the best way to live in uncertain and dangerous times? It's simply just trust Jesus as your Savior. Follow Him as your servant example. And obey Him as your sovereign King. Are you doing that? Have you done that? Have you become a Christian? This is God's simple plan of salvation. If you have what we call a red letter Bible, all these verses will be in red because this is just Jesus talking to you. You've got to believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Today I'm speaking mostly to Christians. I realize that. But as a Christian, sometimes we fail. As a Christian, do you need to seek His forgiveness? 1 John 1, 9. This church stands ready to pray with you and for you. James 5, 16. John's got a song picked out to encourage you. Notice the words of this song. May it encourage you to make a decision. Would you please come while we stand and sing for your encouragement?